I'm Becky Forsyth, and this is the Icelandic Art Center podcast out there. And I'm Thorde Tinnaseradóttir, co-host of this podcast, where we will delve into the Icelandic art scene in conversations with artists and other professionals in the field. Sort of out there, we sit down with artist Ragnar Kjartansson. Uh, we journey through all that's happening for him right now, uh, some of his more recent projects, and like the Louisiana show. We're gonna talk about. We'll talk about that with him, and we also like dive into. Yeah, we go kind of deep, and it's gonna be exciting to dwell into. You know, Ragnar's creative processes and Mm -hmm. also this thing with identity Mm -hmm. yeah I think it will be really interesting to hear in his own words uh, how themes of his practice developed and you know his his claiming or taking on you know the problematics of his male identity as a main thread through his works Mm -hmm. Having been so influenced by, you know, proto-feminists and, like, feminist artists that kind of took the lead in, you know, making art that it revolves about revolves around identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we cover a lot of ground. He moves through specific works, exhibitions, collaborations locally here and internationally. Um, we move through, you know... Love, romanticism, hate, violence, Mm. uh, looking critically at Western culture and the products of our Mm day-to-day. Yeah, and then we will, after the episode, or like after the conversation, we will do the artwork of the month segment that will be focusing on Eva Eastleif's artwork that was recently, like very recently, on display at Klingobank. Uh, in her solo exhibition, The Earth is My Bed. Mm. So please do listen through this really exciting conversation with Ragnar and and then reveal the artwork of the month. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, so now we'll hear a sound clip from an artwork Ragnar made that is titled Colonialization from 2003. Um which we didn't really get managed with the time frame to dwell, like to really like, you know, go deeper into, you know, that motive of violence as well in, in Ragnar's um, work and this play between, you know, um, yeah, something pop, but then something historic and then, mm-hmm. you know, comedy and irony and tragedy and yeah, 
Mm-hmm. But co- give 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 it a listen. It is um, very interesting. Also, if you think about the exhibition context that is is displayed in in Louisiana, because it's in Denmark and the piece uh, is basically around um, yeah the time where Iceland was colonized by Denmark. And I think Ragnar told us in the conversation afterwards that people are taking it really seriously, this work that yeah. portrays... Um, There's some self-reflection yeah. <laughs> taking place as a result. Yeah. So here is a sound excerpt from colonization that is now on display at Louisiana. You have stolen a lot from me. Your little Your Ditt mojsvin. Satans i slanin. Du snør! Du snør! So now we just listened to a little sound clip from a work by Jurakbar. Um that was very nice and <laughs> we shall go into know uh, a bit more into past and recent projects and exciting things in the horizon but maybe before we start uh, me and Becky to dissect everything and ask you questions uh, you can just do like a brief introduction because that's often the best way. My name is, is Ragnar Kjartansson and I'm a visual artist and I uh, live and work in Reykjavík and studied in Reykjavík and was an exchange student for three months in Stockholm. <laughs> <That is laughs> Thank you. Very exotic person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's maybe your origin story, um, but we're going to dive into... Maybe, Becky, you want to start by asking some yeah. juicy questions. I don't know how juicy it is, but I thought that we could start off uh, with a little recap of 
of all the things that are taking place for you right now. So um, over the last year, and I'm sure the planning process has been much longer, but you're currently exhibiting uh, works as a solo retrospective exhibition, the first of its scale in Scandinavia and Louisiana. Um, your incredibly well-loved Nine Channel video installation, uh, The Visitors, has been on view at Akureyri Art Museum for the last months. Um, God is on view at Reykjavik Art Museum. And uh, you, along with others at Klingenbang, were instrumental in uh, bringing the exhibition uh, Velvet Terrorism by Pussy Riot to life in Iceland. And it's now moved on to the Louisiana as well. Um, so I can imagine that there's always something going on behind the scenes with you, but uh, are you always this busy in terms of, of public exhibiting? Yeah, yeah, I've been pretty busy and, uh, and, and lucky in that sense that, you know, there's always like something happening and something inspiring happening. And, and, um, and yeah, so I can't complain. And, and this is pretty typical typical situation <laughs> yeah. but 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 these exhibitions they like you know they are untypically exciting mm -hmm. this has been like a with the with the two exhibitions in Louisiana it has just been you know it has been a dream it's been like a dream upon a dream upon a dream mm -hmm. to to work in the in the, you know with a fantastic team there and in these conditions and first with my show and and then with the with the Klingenbang gang uh, and Pussy Riot gang, it's so it's it's been a riot, yeah. Yeah. So the show at Louisiana is called "Epic Waste of Love and Understanding." Can you lead us into a bit of behind the title, and then of course, uh, yeah. So so um, my very very frequent uh, kind of my big collaborator, uh, my partner Ingeborg Seyhunstöter. Uh, you know, we work a lot together and uh, then we also live together and are married. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this uh, beautiful sentence came from her when we were having an argument. And it was, you know, it was not like, it was very, you know, she said it, she said it not like screaming argument style. It was just, Ragnar, I hope this is not an epic waste of love and understanding. <laughs> and it was just such a beautiful sentence. And I remember just like I drew like a memorial of it very very soon and slowly it became this piece and uh, she ha happens to drop those poetic bombs yeah. <laughs> quite a lot and okay. which is quite a luxury to live live with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so the, so so the title came from that and and i just loved the, the sentence and 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 also tina kostrup the curator was you know when slowly it just kind of she just saw a drawing of this like uh proposal for a memorial which would just like kind of looked like these old school war memorials like a kind of a marble plinth with fire upon it mm -hmm. and uh and it became yeah pretty obvious just after we were just looking at this drawing that this should be the title of the show and it's a, the sort of the statement work that greets visitors on their way into the museum yeah and it's like in the courtyard of Lucia now and it's a bit uh and it's very important that the, it is not of marble and on mm -hmm. there's not like a gas fire. It's like it is of uh, from plywood, painted plywood. And that is a very important part in the composition of, of the piece, that it's fakery. Mm -hmm. It's kind of theatrical, theatrical, neoclassical uh, monumentalism. Which is a 
like reoccurrent, I would say, like motive or like theme in your work is the, the theatrical. And, yeah. yeah, I always really like it. This kind of the truthfulness of the untruthfulness, mm-hmm. because because I'm I'm raised in the theater where there is a lot of. Um, I'm raised in the theater where, like, that was, you know, the reality I was raised in, which was just, like, sets and fakery and, you know. And then I went to art school where, like, there was this big, um, yeah, kind of a pressure on, like, on the truthfulness of art. And everything should be truthful and not theatrical, <laughs> especially, like, in performance art in th- those days. It was, you know, you know the, the main difference is that, you know, like, performance art and, and theater, it's, like, you know, it's totally different mm-hmm. things. And uh, and I just kind of, you know, started being interested in the yeah, in the theatrical, in kind of, in a visual art sense. Mm-hmm. It's because, yeah, I, I just love it about visual art. That is like everything, you know, when you put it into the context of visual art, it kind of becomes deconstructed mm-hmm. right away. And, uh, and I think I realized this... When I was when I was in in the art school, and Arnold Meek, who's a great Dutch video artist, was teaching me, and I made a video piece to kind of impress him and ask my mother to spit on me, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, and I showed it to him, and he was just a very cool and generous teacher because, like, I mean, now it it has become kind of an a known piece yeah. but like then it was just like one video and I was like you know five videos and there's time in it and it was just like this one piece and I was just like you know here's a cool piece I made and <laughs> my mother's spitting on me and he just was kind of skeptical about it because <laughs> he was just you know she is not you can see that she's having fun and she's kind of she's spitting on you but she's sort of pretending to spit on you and it's not true and it's not really it doesn't feel truthful it feels like some kind of fakery in it. And I remember I was kind of devastated because I wanted to impress him. But these words, it's like a reminder, like how important criticism is. That like he was generous enough to, because like when you're a teacher, it's so easy to be like, cool, Good well job. done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like the the generosity of his kind of thoughts and criticism of it made me realize what I found interesting about the piece. Mm-hmm which was this thing that my mom was spitting on me, but at the same time she was kind of pretending to spit on me. So it was like absolute reality and absolute fakery at the same time. Mm. And kind of, I think the art, my art just kind of started going from there. Yeah. Yeah. This laid some sort of foundational path. Yeah. That developed and developed. Yeah. But it's also like this kind of tension you mentioned Tension you mentioned. <laughs> tension you mentioned. <laughs> tension you mentioned between kind of the you know performance art and theater shall not class or you know like overlap back then, but now it's also like, you know that's kind of this tension is favorable or like it's like a a novelty I guess and kind of just like yeah and I think this tension was there all the time right? in performance art, but I kind of understand the pioneers of performance art mm-hmm. you know people like. Marina and Ulai, that they just had to be like, this is not theater. You know, mm-hmm, this, they just mm-hmm. had to be hardcore and yeah. kind of creating a space for performance art. Because you have to distance yeah. yourself before you can yeah. kind of, yeah. so that people understand. And also like with her work, like it mm-hmm. became interesting that like the later in life, she kind of just started started having fun with having it very theatrical and mm-hmm. doing the performances again and, mm-hmm. you know, totally, because, yeah. totally broke her own rules. <laughs> yeah. 
then playing also with the kind of preconception people have, you know, then that became like in the beginning it was distancing. And then when that's, that has become the canon, then you want to maybe get back to it to uh, challenge preconceptions about performances and theater and stuff like this as well. Yeah. Um, just one question before we dive into another uh, thing. I'm just wondering, because we're talking about theater playing a pivotal role in kind of your artistic practice, um, I just want to ask, because a lot of like the video works as well are like staged kind of almost like a theater production sometimes with these like um, the you know set design elements and stuff like this so it gets like so close to theater but then because it's exhibited maybe in like a projection you know like with the projections or with video and stuff like that so the question is would you ever consider putting up one of your works in a theater in front of a live audience i've actually done it have you okay yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it is very strange. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and and it's just like the, the, the world of the theater and the world of, of visual art is just, they're just so different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could, because like always when you do a visual artwork, you're always kind of deconstructing the space and mm -hmm. the idea kind of. But mm -hmm. the theater is about something very different. Mm -hmm. It's about kind of emotional kicks and intellectual kicks. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of always like the message has to be clear. Like that's why I love making visual arts because mm -hmm. we're just like in this, we are, you know, slippery like eels and, you know, constantly in the gray area and like, you know, and, you know, just like this freedom of being a visual artist that are you like, you know, if I understand what I'm doing, then it's not good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but in the theater, you really have to so that kind of have a clear vision in a way. Yeah. yeah. So that experience, having done it, would you do it like again and again? Or like, are you planning, like, I don't know, having, because you're saying it's so different. Do you like prefer then maybe not doing it in front of a live audience? Or mm, I mean, I just find, I find just the hard, the idea of, you know, of making stuff that people have to sit. Through. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, kind of, <laughs> Because mm -hmm. I'm like raised in the theater and I love the theater, but like it's such a manipulative art form. Mm -hmm. Like you have to sit down yeah. and I'm going to make you laugh and I'm going to make you cry <laughs> and feel something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but like th that's also why my works and often, you know, like also like when I do works in theater, I really like it that you can just walk in and out and stuff like that. That mm -hmm. it's basically like a painting in a museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, so, I mean, <clears throat> there are some projects happening which are kind of in collaboration with theater but but then they happen but then i'm just really making them kind of using the opportunity to kind of do a performance artwork mm -hmm. rather than making a theatrical production right. yeah i can remember when Strief or yeah World yeah was was here in the in the theater and also world light and mm. i mean of course it attracts a different audience yeah and like you say it's a very structured experience where you're sort of conditioned to behave But it's like, like that, I mean, when we did war, or it was originally called Krieg, mm -hmm. it was originally done in the Volksbühne, mm -hmm. but then we did it here in Reykjavik, and that version, I was so happy with it, because we was like with the symphony orchestra, mm. and then with Hilmir Snær, who's kind of like, mm -hmm. Hilmir Snær is like this kind of 
actor, actor. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. like idea of the actor. Yeah. And the situation was just so weird to sit in the auditorium and Hilmisnar was just dying for an hour and Kerstin Sveinsson's mega emotional music going through it. And it was just like, and I just remember sitting there like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think a lot of people in the audience had the same feeling. And, and I think for theater goers, that was like pretty hard, you know. Well, we, we as visual artists, we really love the feeling, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But uh, when you go to theater, it's, you know, you kind of want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as an, as a generalization, I think there's a, a large part of the population here in Reykjavik in Iceland that go to the theater regularly. Yeah. And at least in my circle there, I'm, and here I'm talking about people who aren't artists, they were, there was a real sense of pride in the way that it was experimental for them yeah cool that's great (laughs) and it was i mean and it was totally experimental theater as kind of full-on as you get but Mm -hmm. it definitely did not look like an experimental theater no like everything was tradition there was a traditional orchestra traditional sets and but just kind of playing with the form and i just loved it it was like the kick main kick of doing it was like when we were going to do the rehearsals, then like Hilmis and I came like in a leather jacket, just like with kind of tussled hair <laughs> and was just like, oh, do you really think we need to rehearse this? <laughs> and I was just like kind of there with like the technical crew and everything. And there was the kick of being like, no, 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 let's just skip rehearsing it. <laughs> <laughs> because he sensed, you know, what it is. Yeah. And he just know like this piece is about me, the actor, just, you know, pretending to die. And... And he is such a mega actor that he just went for it. He mm-hmm. just kind of, he just kind of died. <laughs> he just like went totally to the edge mm-hmm. of himself, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, which was quite beautiful. Yeah. But that's also recurrent. Yeah, like the ads as well, like with the Venice Biennale piece where you were like day after day after day after day after day painting the paintings. And what was it? I don't remember the man's name who was your Model? Yeah, Pottlöger. Oh, yeah. it was Pottlöger. It was Pottlöger. <laughs> like, I studied only. about it as the art history student, and then now, you know, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well. Wow. Um, but yeah, okay. That's also the ads, I think. Uh, that was very much the ads. Yeah, that's the... That was like, kind of, that was a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that we became kind of deeper friends from it, mm-hmm. but not like that we really can stand each other profoundly after it mm-hmm. <laughs> how long was the because now it's always getting longer and longer the biennale now it's nine months it was six months okay then. okay okay it's so, a bit less than <laughs> it was totally you know it was nuts because we also like to make it hardcore performance art we just had to be drunk the whole time <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> disgusting to be drunk all the time and that's why you're both sober now yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But Palle went sober for. Yeah. Palle, like after it, it was like uh, it was sort of he was joking that it was sort of like Clockwork Orange, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we actually realized that Clockwork Orange and Stella Orlova is the same movie. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. Stella Orlova. How would you describe it to people who aren't? So Stella Orlova is an Icelandic comedy film about uh, a guy. Who is comes to Iceland to Iceland to go to rehab, but accidentally is picked up by somebody who's going on a fishing trip, 
and is just giving so much alcohol all mm-hmm. the time that he ends up becoming sober. So yeah. sort of like in Clockwork Orange, he's just made watch so much violence that he stopped becoming violent. Mm-hmm. And wow. <laughs> 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 it's a dark comparison. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, it's my it's my dark analysis of Stella Orlovi. <laughs> Maybe we can have a link to like the EMPT page or something yeah. <laughs> so that people can see the cover of it. But but like but uh, but like also like in that piece it was just like working with with Palle and his sense of performance and and kind of philosophy mm-hmm. that was just mind blowing. I mean he was just like always there in in this Icelandic pavilion which was like a palazzo by the Grand Canal. And like in this old fountain, which he called the abyss and was reading Nietzsche. <laughs> it was just hilarious. And then like three months in, you know, being there in a speedo, uh, he just kind of like, and everybody looking at him. It was, then he came with this really good, like, now I actually totally get it. I absolutely, I totally get what my female friends are talking about, you know, what it is to be objectified. <laughs> 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 it takes a man... You know, for a man, once needs to be for three months in a speedo being looked at all the time, then you're like, uh-huh, oh, now I, I get it. it. <laughs> the male gaze. Yeah. The threshold's a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it seeps into the culture, but in different ways. Yeah. yeah. If we travel back a bit yeah. to uh, where we started with Louisiana, um, the first work that comes to mind that you'd like to share with audiences, having reset it up recently. Mm, the first work in the Louisiana exhibition. First one that comes to your mind. That's yeah. We already spoke about the mother piece. Yeah, that's yeah. there. But like, kind of the first work that comes to mind about it is, uh, it's like it. There's a lot. Uh, it's kind of I mean, like, banger man, scared man. Comes to he comes to mind this uh, performance piece which is there. Mm-hmm. It's like a man in a tuxedo going back and forth mm-hmm. on, a, on a ledge. A, like a ledge. On a ledge, yeah. yeah, kind of up against the wall. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, is that a? I thought that was a new piece for the show. Yeah, that's a new piece that's for the new. show. And it's like the show is open for a couple of months now and then yeah. there's like just a performer in the space doing it again and again every day yeah so it's like performers just doing shifts mm-hmm. of being bang a man mm-hmm. it's I love you know to work with with languages like mm-hmm. different you know not one's own and like to work with Danish is pretty awesome mm-hmm. like the word bang a man <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome wait is it scared man scared man that's like yeah. that has I mean that has some kind of a cling but Nothing compared to Bangaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of nothing. Mm. But but like uh but the the piece is like um I mean a lot of stuff kind of comes together in, in that piece with this kind of and that was also a very interesting thing with working uh, with Tina Kolstrup, the curator on this mm-hmm. exhibition, because I mean she has uh mainly worked with female artists and was always very interested in this kind of which I have not m- talked much about, but it's like my my work and my my kind of philosophy to, to yeah to kind of work as an artist comes so much from the feminist artists mm-hmm. and and I kind of and I just remember this like in art school this like realization when learning about feminist art like 
it's going to be in, going to be interesting to work with you know because like this kind of you know mind blowing realization that mm-hmm. that feminist art is about identity and it's kind of that's the big change in art history mm-hmm. uh, you know apart from the half of humanity having a voice in art it's just like this idea of one's identity becomes uh, an inspiration for works and mm-hmm. a subject a sub- and, yeah and everything mm. and then i just found it interesting to work with like my identity as the problem yeah to 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 kind of yeah just like has become endless inspiration yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Myself>. <laughs> epic waste of love and understanding yeah. yeah but i okay can i also ask you like fact check one thing i in when i was studying art history as well it was like didn't you like tour with like icelandic love corporation or something weren't you like touring with yeah, I, yeah, I, I toured, then... I toured with them for, uh, yeah, we did one performance together in like Denmark and mm-hmm. Poland and something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fact checked. Fact checked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this was maybe before, like, what's your chronology? Just like, like this, when was this exactly? Like when you were touring with them, was that before kind of your own career started to pick up or was it just a similar time? Or? Similar time, I think. Yeah. It was just, you know, like I I was just, you know, in art school mm-hmm. and started doing, perf- I kind of, I was in painting department and then I just realized, you know, there was a course on performance art that mm-hmm. Ráðhildur Ingadóttir had and uh, that was just kind of... Uh, and then I just, you know, that, that was just like, oh, this is a form that really is kind of comes easy for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I started working with the form and and then I had been doing some performances, I guess, mm-hmm. when when they asked me to join for, for a bit. Mm-hmm. So, but they were, of course, very uh, inspiring for me as, a, as, a, as an art student, you know, when, you know, they came with this, with this, uh, just uh, the statement that they were just doing. Because I mean, it's called Icelandic Love Corporation mm-hmm. because, like, the name in Icelandic is so much better. It's just called the Performance Art <laughs> yeah. Club. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, and that that was such a statement, just like Performance Art Club. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because in the, at that time, like, performance art was uh, not a taboo, not anything like that. It was just you know they kind of they it was it was just very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, it hadn't kind of like reached the shores, maybe. Yeah, and I they mean, kind of like... there had, of course, been like the nineteen kind of seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties. Yeah, you know, brilliant Ruri stuff and etc. So, so it was somehow kind of resurfaced. You know, mm-hmm. it's like in the nineties. You know, yeah. like seventies music came back and <laughs> and hardcore performance art came back also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's always this. <laughs> yeah, pendulum. Yeah. Totally. But the, then the show at Louisiana now, for those of us that haven't visited and haven't managed to go yet, it's closing now at the end of October, October circa. Um, and then, like, the works that are there, they span kind of, because there are a lot of them are recreated, like Me and My Mother, that's from, like, 2000, and, like, with yeah. these clips taken with intervals. To, to, and then, like, what... How, which works uh, how what is the question the question is what does that span like what years do the these works span like for you so yeah so it spans yeah it just spans the 21st the whole, century yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like the first work is from 2000 mm-hmm. yeah and, and then and onwards. then on, onwards and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and like the last 
the newest work in the exhibition was basically we made the film that uh, we finished. We basically like just finished color grading it on the opening day. So mm-hmm. and we filmed it a week before the opening. So yeah. So it was like yeah. Mm-hmm. And which work was that? That's that's a work called oh, again in Danish like Vahavi Dokyot for Harisogot. Yeah, oh, it yeah. means like what have we done? What have we done to deserve having it so nice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we just I just call it what have we done to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and they're just it's just like a me and Saga Karlsdottir, a comedian actress, mm-hmm. just uh, kind of being Icelanders pretending to be Danes, and in a kind of a very lovely scanty design. Uh, environment just mm-hmm. saying this beautiful it's a it's a Danish phrase this like like what have we done mm-hmm. to have it so good and you know you can say it when you're just like having a cup of coffee and the sun shines you know it's very like being appreciative of life but at the same time it kind of has this kind of privileged smugness to it mm-hmm. so it's almost like you know in like in, in America people say you know check your privileges mm-hmm. but it's sort of like going like ah yeah, got privileges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like recognizing. Yeah, it. like yeah. ah, they're nice, aren't they? Yeah. Which I kind of think is honest at the same time, mm-hmm. because you know, yeah, smugness is a complicated thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be mundane and just like mm-hmm. yeah, like joyful as well. Totally. Like, like, and it's like that's why I love this sentence. It's like so many things which are both are so good. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's. It's both appreciative and beautiful, and then at the same time, there's something, there's a dark twist to it. Depends on which way you look at it. Yeah, yeah, and and also like you can look at the, it's both at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess I think that this is maybe a nice bridge into because you've now mentioned uh, collaborating with a few different individuals mm-hmm. and groups uh, from the local scene here in Iceland, um, and as I mentioned, the visitors. <clears throat> came back to Iceland yeah. uh, in the early winter and, ha- and was on view over the summer in the north at Akureyri Art Museum. Um, and from what I understand, it was it has only been shown once uh, before that year yeah. in Klingenbang, around 2013 or so. Something like that, yeah. 2012. Um, and this, you know, video work, it really is a reflection on a specific group of uh, Icelandic people at a, cer- a certain time in life and one perhaps that you emerged out of uh, with your art practice. Can you walk us into that work? And um... So the piece was very much like, um, I mean, it's a, it's it was kind of like making this kind of dream band out of the Icelandic uh, music scene. And... Uh, Kind of working with people that I deeply admire, and and it kind of started out from this uh, song that me and David Thor Jonsson, my very frequent collaborator, did out of a collage based on it was like a collage of words from Austisiv Gunnarsdottir's uh, performance artwork and video work. So like a sentence from this work, a sentence from that work, mm-hmm. all kind of stitched together and yeah. and. Uh, and we kind of wrote this like almost like a musical song. I mean, da- David, mm-hmm. David, mm-hmm. <laughs> David, mm-hmm. <laughs> from that, and and then that, and then that, uh, yeah, and and uh, and then I had you know done a performance up uh, close to Bard College in uh, upstate New York with when Marcus Thor Anderson, who is 
with a, a, a curator at Lesa Reykjavíkur, was then uh, graduating from Bart, and uh, he said, you know, like he asked me to do a performance for his graduation show, and I could not, you know, and like he said, you know, like I, I cannot, you know, pay you not really anything, but you'll get to stay in the most awesome place you can imagine, <laughs> which was this house, Rokopi Farm, mm-hmm. close to Bart. And so I stayed there with the people there and they became very good friends of mine. And uh, it's just a totally magical place. And there was just this, almost like, um, and then I was asked to do a piece for a show uh, in Mikro Museum in Zurich. And it was just like, you know, it was almost like, you know, I just... Uh, wanted to take my friends to this house and have fun with them mm-hmm. and create something. And I was always very worried that this piece was kind of nothing. It's just us being a bit drunk in a fancy house, playing kind of sloppy country music. But mm-hmm. something happened, which was very beautiful. And and yeah, it's like, uh, and the piece kind of became this uh, phenomenon. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's it, because it's, you know, like when you do visual art, it's, you're kind of doing visual art and it's just like, it's kind of, uh, you never think about kind of pop. But this piece basically came like a pop thing. It's mm-hmm. just really like a, a every, it's just like, you know, the il popoli <laughs> lost this work, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. And it's just great to do that accidentally and do that kind of once. But but uh, I think it's, you know, it's great when it happens for an accident. But like, mm-hmm. I think as a visual artist, you can always have to strive for the avant-garde <laughs> but it just happened in this piece yeah it mm-hmm. was the perfect constellation yeah of, yeah of people and and ideas and I'm, it was kind of like yeah and then like this, i mean there was a canon in the house and yeah. it was just like in the our life was basically like it, we it was like we were in a check of play and so it was just there was a lot of things that came to together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The la- the work was later, you know, named uh, the best artwork of the twenty first century by the Guardian. So that was a very very nice of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was also really exciting for the work to come back and and be shown here and and was well visited and yeah, and also well like loved. and also like I mean I think the Akureyri Art Museum is is really a great place and and Lena has been doing great work there and mm-hmm. so. For me, it was just kind of like a no-brainer to like, yes, I mean, cool, if you can, wow, if you pull can pull up. that off, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and and they did, and and they, you know, they uh, were, they did it very, very beautifully and tip-top. So, yeah, I was very happy about it. I also think that even though it's quite like, it is kind of, it has this like sentimental, like, it's like, it touches, it's like, not corny, but it's like, like you were saying, like pop, it's like, it's the pop, the pop. The pip, it loves it. You said it in Italian, I said it in Icelandic, but what the masses love it. Uh, but there's something about the, how the exhibition, di- uh, the installation design itself is put up with all of the screens. And that brings it, I think, like really back to just like contemporary art, visual art, with the placement of these screens. But was I didn't see it in Klingobang in 2013. Is it like the same? Yeah, it's design. always the, it's always the same design, and the design was very much based on this idea of uh, because I like always really like Stockhausen's idea, like because like a lot of kind of hardcore modernist post-war mm-hmm. composers were like such conceptual artists, like mm-hmm. Stockhausen, John Cage, mm-hmm. etc. And Stockhausen had all these ideas about spatial music, 
mm-hmm. that the music should not be this kind of 2D thing from a stage and trying to experiment with music coming from different places, etc. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, kind of hardcore in the 70s to mm-hmm. do. And uh, and I just remember, like, because the, the, there was another piece called The End, which I did with David Thorjonsson. And there we were playing with these Stockhaus and ideas of, like, basically creating spatial music. Mm-hmm. And, like, both, and, like, a piece like the... The the end and uh, the visitors and then a piece, a piece called Sumernocht and mm-hmm. then No Tomorrow. These are all pieces that are playing with these Stockhaus and ideas of spatial music. Mm-hmm. But I but what I really kind of like I think Stockhaus would have hated these pieces <laughs> because like he was totally against sentimentalism. I, I know and uh, maybe that's also like a kind of a fantastic thing about living in the 20th century that. 21st century that like kind of the sentimental has been so deconstructed that mm-hmm. you kind of that you don't worry about it that's you know you can like you kind of do anything anyway tongue in cheek and mm-hmm. have no idea if it's ironic or not or you being or you being one being totally honest it's very hard to tell mm-hmm. I don't know I, I've, I've thought a lot about like you know like I don't know like this benevolence like this that's like Aluth in Icelandic yeah but like I think like we have come to kind of underestimate this aluth or benevolence. Yeah, that's really yeah. nice. Like it makes you feel really nice, and it's a positive experience. Um, I've talked to Becky about this, yeah. <laughs> but like I think that's a note that like not a lot of people know how to play, and like those who do it well, it like I'm getting goosebumps saying it. But like that is like I think that's uh, what the visitors and a lot of your pieces kind of hit that note really well. That is this. That is like it's like a worm. I don't know how to describe it. it. It's like something that because we have so many things going on now, and they're so dark and crazy and gloomy. Yeah. That like it's like this note of benevolence. If it's struck in our hearts, it's really nice feeling, you know. Yeah, I really like that note. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, they are. It's a note that is in a lot of artworks, and also like from. Other periods, I mean, all periods are pretty dark and bleak and horrible mm-hmm. in history. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, and to and to kind of yeah, it's like I I I mean, I really like the works of Halter Luxness. I think mm-hmm. they are kind of they are very because he writes the most beautiful texts, but they are also ironic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about you know we you know where the where the glacier, glacier meets the sky, that's where beauty alone reigns. Mm-hmm. There are no sorrows and their joy is not necessary. Like, it's just a gorgeous thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's kind of <laughs> joking yeah. about writing about beauty yeah. in the 1930s in the crucible mm-hmm. of modernism. Mm-hmm. So so I think I think that tone came a lot into my mm-hmm. work. Being, yeah. being kind of raised a lot around, you know, laxness works and also... And then also the play of Anton Chekhov, mm-hmm. which was like always this, like, I mean, it's famous, this story when the sequel was uh, premiered and his friend, she wrote him like, it was such a beautiful play. I cried and cried. Mm-hmm. And he just wrote back, you totally misunderstood it. It's a comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think this iron, or like this little ir- dash of irony or like this comic relief is what is that that's where this feeling comes from. It is like you, 
it's not like sublime that's like yeah. like you can't connect to it because it's too perfect or too like but like it's this sense of humanity that makes it approachable i always have this sense that things are kind of i mean i even i even think like edward bunk had a sense of irony yeah. <laughs> and i mean like an artist like you know like super serious artists that people consider super serious like Marina Abramovich she has a deep sense of irony mm-hmm. and uh, also like you know of course like Karl Schneemann and these kind of these 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 artists who do like do hardcore serious works they're very 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 funny people mm-hmm. and those of course like we're talking about you know Masha Lohian and Pussy Riot mm-hmm. like they are funny they are funny ones mm-hmm. and there's like oh yeah it's all kind of fighting tyranny with irony that's pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah yeah she mentioned it when she came like she mentioned it to us Masha, when she came to the podcast and spoke to us that like to deal with all of this terrible terrible war and like the you know putin and everything then like having to have a sense of like sense of uh humor just to deal with it all as well you know yeah. to not go insane i think she said um I'm not quoting directly, but yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's very much the feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think it's I think it's a feel in a lot of artworks. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah. yeah. A coping. Coping, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then poetry in general, and you know, it's like yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel? We're... Yeah, we 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 have like enough to just publish the episode, but maybe we need to. I'm wondering if we can yeah. ask you a bit about just to say a few words or thoughts about what the scene looks like here now for young artists mm-hmm. and yeah i mean emerging out of it and then mm-hmm. you know having having such incredible feedback from international audiences and peers and professionals and then you know you're still here living and working what that's like yeah i mean that's the reason i mean i think that's the reason why i'm doing what i'm doing is because i'm working in the Reykjavik art scene and it's it's a very um, what's you call it's a very fertile soil (laughs) (laughs) you know like you know kind of I always thought like that because there's this thing that Reykjavik it's you know we are just like on an island in the middle of the ocean and we're far far away from the earth world Mm -hmm. and and there's this, this this sense of like people doing art here which has been for centuries like it just used I mean, and that's also why I think like Icelanders, uh, Icelandic, uh, Icelandic, the Icelandic, Icelandic art scene kind of came into bloom when when like Fluxus came and conceptual mm-hmm. art came because Iceland has always been just a place of poetry. There were no great painters or sculptors here. It was just like poems, 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 poems mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, and and that has also been kind of a very inspiring thing that like you know the art object isn't a thing here it's like the it's like the art the statement of an artwork matters mm-hmm. and and uh and there is so much uh so much discussion and camaraderie in the scene i mean there's like bickering and blah 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 like you know it would be no fun without that <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh but but you know but the bickering and blah 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 is just kind of it's kind of whatever Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to the camaraderie that's in the scene, and it's both in um, it's just very supportive, mm-hmm. and 
I found that I found that the like kind of crazy was I don't know the word. I like it's like like I mean for me to have you know to work abroad and stuff and to have this scene here where like I can talk to peers and and uh, develop my works and people develop their works like mm -hmm. together in conversation is just and nobody ever thinks about market and stuff like that mm -hmm. that is such a gift mm -hmm. yeah i think it's very like this like it's very you can definitely feel i think yeah i get what you're saying it's just like even though you're doing all of these like crazy shit and international scale like louisiana solo show holy fuck you know <laughs> you're still kind of present your presence here is present <laughs> you know like you like you know you played with like bands at gigs downtown like Berta yeah. or you know like you're here enjoying this moment with us even though you like to yeah like you you have you still are connected even though you're doing these like big big things which i think is very you support yeah the support this mutual you know uh, maybe it is yeah. yeah and i remember it like being you know i mean i think i think the icelandic art scene music scene all these things got so much confidence from you know our our queen björk just staying here <laughs> and I just remember that feeling of like doing some shitty concert and you know or an art show or something and then just like she comes mm -hmm. and that has like I think that has given a lot of artists a lot of confidence that mm -hmm. like, you feel you're like in this small place but you are kind of in the world at the same time yeah it's like you feel like you're family or you're yeah. related you know like it's like mm, yeah it's like you know when in Iceland in maybe like being famous in the local capacity then you're like often the point of reference is if you're related yeah you know it's like oh you know uh this when you're younger you're like oh he's my uncle and he's on the tv or something yeah, totally so it's kind of the same sense but like at a different maybe scale. and there's never like kind of kind of there's like yeah there's there is almost like no kind of hierarchy and that mm -hmm. like like oh you're like you were he, you were on tv okay then you you then <laughs> yeah. that's then that's it. No big. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but like so so that's but that's also like this kind of because I th I think we have something really precious here, mm -hmm. which is this this art scene that is just doing art for art's sake. And you know, it's like always talked down that like that art for art's sake, you know. But art for art's sake is such a important thing and inspiring and uh, yeah. So so like. And I'm just always seeing super exciting things, mm -hmm. and uh, being in a scene where where you're you're kind of constantly challenged with something awesome, and uh, yeah, that's pretty great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think we might just like uh, start thinking about wrapping up. Um, but uh, I just wanted to also ask about one more thing before we talk about your song of choice. Um, so Soviet Barbara is now coming into being how do you say it's premiering, premiering. yeah it's yeah. premiering in iceland um or it was played i think in this in the west fjords in um one mm. documentary festival but now it's premiering to the masses the puppet <laughs> <laughs> um could you tell us a little bit of, more about kind of that work and then also this documentary and just kind of before we so it's like this documentary 
So like Gaukur Ólafsson mm-hmm. and Guðni Sorry, sorry, so, sorry, okay, so, okay, so, and Guðni Thomason made this documentary about a show I did in uh, Moscow before the war, and it was in this mega big uh, art center that was opening up in Moscow, and it was supposed to be kind of like the Moscow's kind of Tate, and it was like this... It was this VAC foundation, which was mainly mm. founded by, you know, a, a mega oligarch there. Mm-hmm. But everything was very elegant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was not very, it was not super oligarchian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was just thick. I it took me a long time to, to decide if I should do this show or not. Mm-hmm. But I but uh, I did it. And then me and Ingeberg, we, uh, we uh, curated the show uh, simultaneously with it, with a lot of Icelandic artists and... and uh, and kind of artist uh, just like that I am I worked with and I'm inspired by and uh, and but the uh, the kind of the decision to do the show was very much like you know it's one can just you know not do it mm-hmm. or you can just do it and mm-hmm. see what happens and I always just had a feeling because I I'm you know I I was a big sucker for Russian art mm-hmm. and like I wanted to go to art school in Russia and stuff and always wanted to do a show in Russia so when this call came it was just like I want to do it mm-hmm. and uh, and then the then I just stumbled upon an article uh, that based on photographs by Misha Friedman mm-hmm. this Moldavian photographer Moldavian American photographer who was just photographing places in the former Soviets in Ukraine Moldovia Russia which were all Places called after Santa Barbara, mm. the American soap opera, mm. and and kind of like I was just blown away by the importance of Santa Barbara on the post-Soviet culture, and then it kind of became, and so I just that became like tick, I have a piece, I want to do this, mm-hmm. and the piece was like oh, no, I want to recreate Santa Barbara, which came on air in all the former Soviet Union a week after the Soviet Union went down, mm-hmm. and. Uh, at 8.30 every night, prime time. And just like people learned capitalism from Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And and then I just found it very interesting because when I was working on the show, this like Russian uh, nationalism was really being drummed up. And it was like, you know, and, you know, Russia had taken Crimea. And, and you know, of course, I was very aware of like the the horror mm-hmm. that was happening. And... And I just kind of found it an interesting subversive idea to recreate Santa Barbara and having it this um, kind of like this modern Russia is founded on an American soap opera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's also why I talked about it always as a Russian thing, you know, just, you know, uh, kind of to tease the the, the nationalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and it was and it worked like I, I was I've never been as proud of a of a review I've had, which was like in in Medusa, the main opposition medium, mm-hmm. had a glowing review about it and said it was a cloaked ducker to the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was next to the Kremlin. So it was all pretty mm-hmm. freaking scary. Yeah. And and it's interesting, this documentary, I've seen it because like I, I just said to them, like, you know, you just do this and, you know, and we are just like, you know, some animals in a David Attenborough film. Like, it's just their film. <laughs> so it's not my film and it's no. just like about this. And they were basically just going to do 
a thing, you know, it's like, you know, it's like an, the Icelandic television was going to do a documentary mm-hmm. about an Icelandic artist showing abroad. It's, you know, like, it's like, you know, Erro shows in China or something. Mm-hmm. And like Rassi shows in Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, then shit hit the fan and the war started and like, and we cancelled the show right away. And then like, and then I, then we had already started to collaborate with Pussy Riot because mm-hmm. we met them in Moscow and so like things were already starting to brew and so they you know so the and they kind of followed that in the mm-hmm. film because and they kind of because history took this from being just like about that project into like kind of mm-hmm. bad shit happening yeah so I'm I'm very curious about the film and and it's it's very strange because it's like it was a very very brutal dramatic um, scene to be in yeah I think yeah. And you kind of, but I'm, but I'm just so, so glad it all that we did it, and it, you know, yeah. and we. <laughs> I think it's kind of like, uh, like yeah, it's like, uh, like cos, uh, not cosmic, but like, it's so crazy that it's like, as you said, like Arrow, one of our known, like this kind of context that it was just supposed to be kind of this documentary segment on yeah. the National Broadcasting <laughs> Service of Iceland looking at the artist in the wild like yeah. like he's putting up a show because he's so famous that he gets a show in Moscow like and then it became like just this like hot pot or you yeah. know like heat like how yeah. do you say like a, and like the night the yeah. kind of nightmare started and the war started yeah. and I mean I started doing the show in Russia which was then a grey area mm-hmm. I mean it was sort of like doing a show in Turkey now mm-hmm and I mean, in many other places also, like, mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. kind of totalitarianism and like mm-hmm. horrible stuff is on the rise. So, yeah. and, uh, but then like when the war started, then it just stopped being black. Then it just stopped being a gray area. It was, it was like just black, black and white. white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally just. Mm-hmm. But I think this is interesting as well. I was listening to another podcast the, this week and asked by the Art newspaper and there was like a segment on heritage and museum like museum and heritage sectors engaging with sites of contestion yeah yeah like so turkey now you know russia or you know and then the expert that was like being interviewed sorry for this yeah. very indirect sighting but um she was saying that like you know museum and heritage don't have the luxury of contemporary art sectors to like pick and choose who they engage with which I it's just been playing in my head and again and again because of course the museum and heritage sector like grabs the moment when things is going to hitting the fan and they need to like intervene and mm-hmm. try to you know rescue precious uh, yeah, artifacts yeah. and stuff but I thought like but yeah like mm, but contra- contemporary art also has a power like it has kind of a power to engage in the moments to mm-hmm. you know like this respond to yeah, it. yeah respond. and i think so and yeah. i think i think the uh, it's just like a very i think it's a very kind of important thing and you know like uh, as you like you know you i think it's important if you if you decide to do a show in countries that are doing bad stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> then you just need to be very aware of that mm-hmm. and kind of do it because of that mm-hmm. and not do it for financial gain mm-hmm. etc just to do it to out and like you know this was basically just done out of artistic kind of longing to mm-hmm. just kind of engage in it and uh and the uh the 
we and, and but of course it's always you know it's always good to not do stuff and just but then boycott also, stuff yeah. but yeah. then then it's like where you know like we need to boycott so much stuff mm-hmm. I and think, yeah. i think i think that i mean I think that is just not a good idea. No, I don't think like if you just boycott things uh, on face value, what kind of world do we live in when it's just a stereotype or, you know, when we never breathe deeper, you know, we never go deeper than face value. Mm -hmm. Then we're in, I think, in a bit of a crisis. (laughs) I think so. And I think that's also like with this, uh, Cosmasia was here and I think it's, See, even mentioned, you know, you were working on this show, you were working in Moscow, and that's how you math. And then, you know, thinking about if you wouldn't have been there, you know, this Louisiana show maybe wouldn't have, you know, no, like no. Mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, that's so the the gains and the downfalls and also instinct and maybe something beyond today's facts yeah. of bad things, like but some kind of maybe something we can't really describe, maybe fate, you yeah. know, it's like. And it's that that is also like this crazy thing about being in the art world that you can, that you just like you you suddenly you go into crazy situations, mm-hmm. really crazy situations, and then you go back to Leipzig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our our international airport. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also because like I mean because we have to be careful with this thing that like the world is becoming, you know, gloomier and gloomier. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of European countries are becoming very tyrannical, mm-hmm. etc. And uh, and if we don't engage in any situation where there is bad stuff happening, mm-hmm. I mean, then it's sort of a then we're just stuck in northern Kettlery. Yeah. Which is a place in a school in Iceland where also, where, yeah. where good radical people you drink coffee and talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess if we don't like, yeah. If we don't think about and like face the things that are happening, we also lose the ability to prevent them happening like where we are. You know, like if we don't follow what's going on, totally. then how are we going to see the red flags ourselves? Yeah. But then we won't because like citing again, Masya, as he said, like, you know, the, the thing is it isn't just about Russia being bad, it's also just like Russia could happen anywhere. That yeah. is that is like so much the message of in the of, world we live of, in. Of and in mm-hmm. this exhibition that that this is just not about Russia. This mm-hmm. is like it is a portrait of what contemporary. It's like yeah. of our problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also like in a kind of and I just like and it's so interesting that like, you know, they are this feminist art group from Russia and they and like you know, they were you know dealing with the most patriarch society in in the Western world, mm-hmm. and you know like one of their main ev- enemies is even called the patriarch, mm-hmm. the patriarch of Moscow, Kirill. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So so it becomes very simp. It becomes symbolic for so much stuff in in our culture. It sounds like this documentary is is there. Really important historical document of mm-hmm. this type of exchange. Yeah, it's probably, but but uh, we look very bad in it. Well, what, because like? when you're when you're in a totalitarian uh, country, trying to make a subversive art show, and it's very scary, and you're very tense, you become very grey. And <laughs> are you just talking like? 
We look 10 years older. <laughs> <Visually. than> <laughs> I just watched the trailer while you were speaking and I was like, you look 10 years younger now. You look good. Back and looking fresh. <laughs> it is just, you know, like, be in this situation. It's just you, like, it's like yeah. physical. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not, and that it's was not also really the, a joke. Yeah, that was, and that's also, like, what the crazy thing about meeting Russia in Moscow. That like you know everybody like everything is about self censorship and mm-hmm. and and everybody's scared. Mm-hmm. Then there comes this person with an ankle tag, like under house arrest, and she was just the first free person I met in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Like it was just <sighs> yeah, it was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just kind of I'm kind of get goosebumps just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. wow. What a nice, nice. What? How nice to have you here with us. How nice to be here. <laughs> Talk about art. Yeah. And the world the power. and power. Art. Um, I guess we should then maybe just talk a little bit about the song of cho- choice. I'm always going to say choice of song. The choice of song, song of choice. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. I think because we're talking about, we've been talking quite a lot about politics and art. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like. And the complexities of politics and art. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like just like, you know. So I decided to to choose a song, which is one of my favorite songs. It's mm-hmm. a love song. And it's so gorgeous. This song, uh, the first time I ever saw your face, performed by Robert Fla. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the song is originally written by Ivan McCollum, I think. It's like an English songwriter and like a hardcore Stalinist. Oh. And like wrote many kind of workers songs kind of in the post-war era. And uh, and I just always think it's so interesting, this very beautiful mm-hmm. love song written by a Stalinist. Mm-hmm. And then like the story of the song, because I, you know, I kind of have a, I just find, I just find the violence and pretty things always very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then I just like was like kind of, you know, reading about this song when I was listening to it a lot. And then found out that he wrote it and he originally wrote it for this very young uh, female folk singer. He was just basically grooming <laughs> and he was kind of <laughs> an older songwriter and he and he wrote the song for her and sung mm-hmm. it to her on the telephone and she just kind of became his lover, like kind of what can you do after this? <laughs> and uh, And so the song is so beautiful, but it's so like when you kind of know this backstory, mm-hmm. it's kind of... I. This I once did this piece called Romantic Songs of the Patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We kind of think about kind of the violence within beautiful things. And yeah. and there's like in the lyrics of that song, there are some really disturbing little, disturbing little Easter eggs of violence. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful. That's the problem. It's such a gorgeous song. Wow. So we're going to we're going to play the original song of choice. Yeah, we're going to play. Yeah, that's like that's the first time I ever saw your face. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we go so and then Robert the Flack, mm-hmm. like the African American jazz pop legend, kind of made it an international pop hit. It was just yeah. like a British folk mm-hmm. song, and then she took it and just made it. Bah! Yeah. But I but I always find the, this this background to this song very mm-hmm. intriguing and and kind of uneasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very um, fitting, kind of for the discussions we've been having today. So sitting with the discomfort. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, it's been really uh, a huge pleasure to have you here today and to talk with you. Thanks so much for being generous with your time and 
for sharing all of your thoughts. Thank you for having me on the program and um, góðar stundir. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Here is um, Evan Bacall's song, song sung by Roberta Flack, the first time I ever saw your face and joy. Ever I saw 
your face, your face, your face. Welcome back. So this was uh, Ragnar's song of choice, the first time ever I saw your face, sung by Roberto Flack and of course written uh, the lyrics written by Evan McCall, who Ragnar told us a bit about before the song. And now is the artwork of the month segment that we've all been waiting for. And it is actually just it's the exhibition recently closed and it was in Klingobang Gallery that we, you know, has kind of an indirect connection with what we spoke about with Ragnar. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much still worth the highlight. So we're focusing in on the exhibition The Earth is My Bed uh, by Eva Islefsdotter. Um, and along with the exhibition was in, an essay by James Greenway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Eva Islef's fashion, the exhibition... Um, was a series of moments or gestures, uh, colorful, large sort of things that you happen upon. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'll leave it to you to dive into a specific work. Yeah, so the specific work we're going to talk about and the artwork of the month is Sorry, We Are Temporary, which is a mixed media um sculpture you could say that is actually quite startling when walking into the exhibition space it has i think what is supposed to be the figure of the artist lying face down uh, having been crushed by a magical wand um and you know you can't see the face but like the hair is all in the way of the face and you can see that this big magical wand is weighing down on the body of the artist which definitely has this tragic comedy feel to it Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a move uh, across the spectrum of hope and hopelessness and of course with humor involved um, I was sort of approaching the uh, what the text says are the warning signs of our current environment and how we as humans can take in this information and continue to proceed further into our future. Mm-hmm. Definitely can sense maybe a similar uh, play around with humor and violence, like this kind of violent death scene with the body being crushed under the magic wand that is blown to like an absurd scale it could be a children's toy that's like twice the height of the artist um Mm -hmm. so yeah kind of connecting it to maybe our conversation around comedy and irony and Mm -hmm. this you know yeah and that's one thing that i really love about eva's works is her awareness and approach to scale and and reimagining, you know, everyday objects or materials in new ways so we get to rediscover them uh, and see them both in different size but also from different perspective points. Mm-hmm. And I think the the fitness, like the, her, she has this like very, everything is very thought out 
you feel like everything is so thought out, even though it plays with these kind of, you know, almost abstract concepts of time and like how do we position ourselves in time and like I think even in this exhibition she is thinking about you know if if time were a space how would we like the objects in this exhibitions are for the artist this conceptually objects that would be in time if it we would have time as like a physical space mm-hmm. if I understand it correctly yeah. but I was going to comment on also just like there's such a nice finish like it's just all executed really well there's just like you know the very eloquent um installation like exhibition design you can you know these de- there are like a lot of these details like please do look up the exhibition and see photos on Eva's website if you didn't have a chance to visit because it is like a really phenomenal quality to just the exhibition design and the you know the objects that are in it the other artworks as well are fascinating um you know different different yeah the sculptures in it are so different to each other you've got like a sense of airiness but then also denseness and it's really Mm -hmm. it's a really nice exploration in materials also yeah but like with this fun kind of fun over how do you say like a fun playful joyful yeah it's it's a very nice it's it was a very nice exhibition and the works are I guess it's a reminder to not take ourselves too seriously Mm -hmm. and you know this finding strength in making light out out of things Mm -hmm. or you know Mm -hmm. um but I just want to maybe read out loud like a little like a little excerpt that Eva wrote and for the exhibition maybe it's a nice thing to do so see the artist herself describes it as um, so now I'm reading Eva's text I tend to see shapes and faces in the clouds and believe that they are messages researchers call it pareidolia um, and they say it's a false perception of seeing non-existent face or pattern in everyday objects I say it can be what it is, and for humans, it's a tool in understanding the world. I put faces to objects, they become characters, and we all live together. Dear Dali would agree. Do you? I mean, do you? Do do, do you? (laughs) I think that also captures her her keen sense of humor, and yeah. (laughs) Go check it out, and, and we'll tag Eva in the podcast announcement so you can follow her work and the exciting project she's also a part of and she's curated a lot of good stuff and she's based between Athens and Iceland so if you're based there you could or if you're going you could catch some of her work um yeah thank you so much <laughs>